Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me again is Reese once again. I always forget that we have new listeners regularly on our podcast, and they're probably like, whose name? Who, who, the, who are these guys? Uh, so I, I just thought I'd give a little intro for people who aren't uh, normally listening. But yes, uh, <laughs> Reese, how was is, how is your week this week? Uh, it's been pretty good. I uh, had the pleasure of going to a, a Bulls game earlier in the week on Monday uh, when they played the Phoenix Suns. Um, they didn't win, unfortunately, but um, it was a good experience. You know, I have to say that it was obviously there's a lot more energy because the Bulls are a lot better of a team, and um, it was it was fun to make the trip down. The traffic and the and the parking was tough, but what else do you mm-hmm. expect, really, for a, for a Bulls game or just any Chicago popular Chicago sporting event? <laughs> seriously i i love uh the united center too um I, I think it's so fun i have so many good memories from back when the blackhawks were in their dynasty how electric that place would get no kidding. Uh, nothing n- nothing better than going to a blackhawks game in the united center um you know even though i love going to football games like those were so fun and it's funny because i'm a way bigger football fan than i am a hockey fan but there's just something about hockey games, in my opinion, that I just love the energy. Well, yeah, and especially, you know, when they're doing good, it helps. And that seems like such a fair weather thing to say. But, you know, just the energy uh, in, like, the United Seriously. Center when the Hawks are doing well and they're rolling. Um, it's just, you're right, it's something to be a part of, you know. Um, so hopefully that same energy is building for the Bulls and also hopefully the Bears here not too soon. God, I or hope not, so. Right? Not too, not too far away. <laughs> and I, I do have to say as well, I do. The best part about football games, in my opinion, is I, I love watching football games in the stadium. I really do like it. I prefer college games than NFL games. Actually, going to the game, at least, probably because I just care too much about the NFL. I prefer the like perfect viewing experience that you get from a TV. Um, but what I have to say, I love is just tailgating tailgating oh, is course, so much yeah. fun you know and even if it's not at like a college even if it's not a pro game where you like you know take a little mini grill out there grill some you know sausages and uh you know have yourself a good time yeah no i agree i i think that um the tailgates especially you know the couple times i've had the pleasure of uh you know going down there and tailgating with you austin it's always been a good mm-hmm. time and yeah it's I, always a I, pleasure i think that you know bears fans certainly make the most of uh of what we got as far as what the parking situation is for for soldier field and and for what soldier field is uh in itself you know but that's the one thing i won't miss that is the one thing i won't miss is having to get on a bus in order to come from the tailgate <laughs> um oh, but man. nonetheless I, I will miss having the you know trips down in the city before the game and uh you know hanging around going to Ditka's restaurant afterwards uh and paying uh 30 for a terrible salad always <laughs> will miss that um but in all seriousness let's go ahead and get into the show so you know this is the time of the year where some of the excitement if you're a fan um of a team that's not in the playoffs and you, you already got your head coach and everything it's kind of uh waning off uh but before we get into the coordinator takes i, I want to give a shout out to lovey smith Found himself in a head coach job somehow. If you would have told me this right after he uh, got fired from Illinois, I would have never believed you. <laughs> yeah, no, crazy. And I mean, it, it's it's becoming increasingly more difficult to compare the college landscape to the the NFL landscape. But it is crazy when you think about Illinois has really struggled mightily as a football program. Um, but he only brought them to one bowl game, and you know it, it was still a struggle. 
I was not surprised that he ended up finding his way back in the NFL. I mean, he's a a regarded defensive mind um, within the league. But I was certainly a little shocked that, that basically you fire a coach um, and then you, you hire his assistant to take it over. Uh, my initial impression was that this certainly wasn't the original plan, I would not think. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone put together like a more hilarious crop of coaching candidates than the Texans. And then they had like, one person being Brian Flores that was just like uh, the home run hire waiting to happen. Like you saw what he did with a tear with a franchise that was in a very similar state as uh, the Texans are now with the Dolphins a couple years back after they fired uh, Ryan Gase, Gase. Adam Gase, excuse me. Yeah. Adam Gase, who, you know, had his little stint with the bears. I remember how many bears fans were like, we should just fire John Fox and and hire Adam Gase. And then once he went to Miami and had like a half decent first year, they're like, see, see. And then he's been <laughs> terrible in the NFL ever since then. Um, classic Bears fans. But yeah, no, good. For, I mean, good for Lovey. I think everyone's really excited for him. Don't know how well this is going to turn out. Uh, obviously, Lovey had the stint with the Buccaneers um, that was less than stellar, to say the least. Um, but his defense did play, uh, did outperform uh, for sure last year with the Texans not a lot of talent there anymore on that Texans team and you know Lovey he's, he's the same old Lovey you know great leader um I I think you can probably attribute a lot of his lack of college success not only because of Illinois but just like the college recruiting game is such a different monster than the NFL it's like and, and there's a lot of people that aren't just just aren't meant for it you know like like it's you have to be a very unique type of person you know you kind of yeah. have to uh you know, suck up to high schoolers, and I don't know if Lovey Smith is that type of guy. <laughs> yeah, you almost got to be a salesman in a way. Not that you, not that you yeah. don't have to in the NFL a little bit in in a few situations, but um, yeah, and, and certainly I do think it's odd. You know, you brought up the name Brian Flores. I, I think, especially in a team that's in that situation where maybe they're already performing a little bit better than their potential, which is almost shocking to say. Um, mm-hmm. But you bring in someone like Flores, and I think that he just takes that team to the next level. Um, so yeah. I think opportunity missed for them. But overall, I mean, happy for Lovey Lovey Smith. Um, you know, I guess it's good he gets another shot at it. I'm not expecting anything too crazy, though. Yeah, me neither. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about our coordinators. Last episode, we gave you guys rundown of who we would have liked to see fill a lot of these coordinator roles. I don't think we got any of them right, <laughs> honestly, uh, looking back at it. Besides, uh, we obviously talked about Luke Getze already last podcast. Uh, I was a big fan of the hire. Uh, today, Luke Getze, he had his press conference, and I thought he did a tremendous job talking to the media, if I'm being honest. like I think he... Obviously, this is a press conference and you want to see it relate to the field. But one thing that I really appreciate, especially after watching... Matt Nagy roll out the same offense for three years straight that just didn't work with completely different pieces. Um, he talked a lot about one molding his scheme to to his players, but also the fact that his offense is not going to be the same every year. He one reporter, I can't remember who it was, but he kept talking to him like about his playbook. And he's like, I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about this playbook because it's going to change completely. Once I get a deeper look at the roster, who we have, what's their advantage, what's their disadvantages. And we're going to go from there. And he just seemed like someone like for the first time that was actually giving meaningful answers while at the same time also like 
saying what you want, you know, like with Matt Nagy, whenever he was talking about why the offense isn't working, he's like, well, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go home. We're going to watch the tape and, you know, we're going to talk about the whys. We're going to, and that, that's the important part is the whys. The whys are, are what's really important about football. Football is a great sport. You got to know the whys. And I was so sick of that. Uh, by the, I, did, I stopped watching his press conferences. I'll be completely honest. No, that's fair. I mean, I don't blame you on that. I think, uh, yeah, for Luke Getze, I think overall is a, a pretty strong press conference uh, if we're going to start grading his job already for the Chicago Bears. Um, I, I think, you know, what I did like, yeah, obviously what you brought up, Austin, um, he, he started out by saying it starts with the quarterback. I'm um, really emphasized nailing that down, nailing down the relationship with the quarterback and then building it um, with the other 10 players that are on the field. Um, so overall, I mean, that's already a, a fresh start um, for him and, and a way that I think everyone wanted him to come in and look at the offense. Um, so overall, I was I was definitely pleased to hear that. And I think, you know, pleased to hear that, you know, he wants to figure out things a little bit. I think what it opened the door for overall was that we're, this is going to change. The offense is going to not only look different schematically, and he didn't want to get into schematics too much. The question was asked like, 10 times in a row in the first <laughs> the first part of the press conference and you know we're not going to learn about his scheme he needs to learn everything that's going on but ultimately what I want to say is I think it opens the door for you know also personnel changes as well I think we Certainly. Sh- I think we should expect a di- a different looking offense, um, not only in the way that's being ran, but also the players that are in it. Um, and if not completely this next year, I think what was also opened up was just this is going to be a bit of a process. I don't think we should expect any immediate results from day one. I think you know, and we'll get into it when we talk about the defensive coordinator press conference. But I think that you know it's going to be something that's possibly going to take this first year to maybe fully understand and really start to, to build the offensive identity. And that's going to move on from there. See, that's uh, that, that's where you kind of scare me when you say something like that, because I, I expect at least like us to be top 20 in offense. Like if we're, if we're sitting at the, at the very bottom, like anything, anything above 25, is progress well, i know i know but like to me <laughs> yeah. to me though from a realistic lens though like our bar is so low as bears fans and i know yeah. that you know obviously okay maybe i rephrase this team isn't gonna jump up to be a top 15 offense this coming year immediately okay? i don't i don't think so immediately i don't think that you really don't think there's an, there's any chance of that I think there's a if Justin Fields. I think there's a, Fields is good. I think there's a small chance, and I expect Justin Fields to improve. And I think the offense is gonna physically look better. But I think mm-hmm. that there is a certain amount of overhauling, and I think maybe a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. But on the offensive side of the ball, there's gonna be things that are gonna change. I mean, you can't go from yeah. Matt Nagy's offense, which I know, like the Reed system and the Shanahan kind of tree. They're not like complete polar opposites. But there's mm-hmm. enough change, there's enough different emphasis yeah. on what needs to be done that at least things are going to have to change a little bit. And a lot of these players have just been playing under Nagy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like, basically all the faces yeah. changed in his time there. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that, though. I think that a realist, like a realistic expectation is, like, if Justin Fields looks good and the offense overall is top 20... I think that's a huge success this year. 
personally. I mean, I, I um, think it's a success. And I, I, don't rule that, I, don't, I don't rule that out of consideration either. If they dedicate a lot of resources this offseason, if they go out and they sign a big-name offensive lineman or two, if they go in the draft and they, they look for some good wide receivers and they get a good wide receiver, I, I don't think that's out of the question either. I would be like hitting the panic button, though. If we roll out and we're seeing... 23 points a game for the first couple of games like i i i would be in full-on panic mode if i'm being completely honest there um but ultimately i mean let's wait to see on that i'm sure we'll see a lot more in training camp i'm really interested to see how this training camp goes differently than the training camps under Nagy. um I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on this one but i just always felt like Nagy took it so easy on the players Truthfully, like I, I, I always felt like he was giving a lot of off days, rest days, stuff like that. And uh, I, I think you kind of saw that translate into sloppiness on the field. I hope that's not the case here. Yeah, I mean, I would really, I mean, with everything that's been made about the the hits and uh, all that, <laughs> I, I would think that, you know, hustle. I've heard hustle yeah. eight billion times, so I think that we're gonna be we're get gonna, your track shoes on, exactly, boys. We're gonna be seeing they're gonna be running, <laughs> but yeah. um. Hey, you know, it's like first day Justin Fields tears ACL running on the track. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> but I, I want to hit Unless on one. Get fired immediately. <laughs> I want to hit on one thing, and then I'll get on the training camp that you brought up. I think one thing I would have liked to hear Getzi talk about a little bit more, and I understand him not wanting to get into specifics. He said there's no specifics yet. That's fine, but I'd want to at least hear a little bit on you know rhythm wise you know especially just kind of how he expects to get this offense in rhythm and i know that's going to change with the personnel but at least a little bit of just i want to know a little bit maybe more about the identity he didn't really speak about um any of that but at the same time it's not something you yeah. can get overly worked up over as for the train I, oh go ahead yeah no no i was just gonna say i i kind of the one thing i was wishing and we saw more of is him talk a little bit more about his plan to develop fields. Like what, yeah. like what's going to be the strategy here? You know, it, it, I don't think any really, I think people are getting a little obsessed over the scheme. I think he's going to bring a good scheme, but really my biggest concern is how, how are we going to develop fields? And he didn't really, he, he's going to build a connection, you know, that's, I remember that's what he kind of said. Like the first question had a little bit of the fields. I believe it was Mark Grody asked the question. And then he was like, and also, you know, it's just with Justin and I, we're going to, he's like, we're going to build a connection. You know, I'm going to relate to him on that kind of level, which I understand and I get. And we've heard a lot of that from this coaching staff. Um, but yeah, you know, I think as for the training camp, man, I, I would expect it to be a lot higher tempo and, I think that, you know, execution of, of the plays that they're going to be running is going to be one of the top priorities. I would at least hope, you know, especially if mm -hmm. you're if you're going to go out there, especially if you're Matt Eberflus and you're going to make that um, one of your principles, something that you're going to talk about at length in your opening press conference, like it, it better be a point of emphasis. And I feel that same way about Certainly. Ryan Poles as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, I'm just going to read off the names of the rest of the offensive staff that's been confirmed so far. First off, wide receiver coach Tyke Tolbert. This is probably, well, actually for sure, the most notable name on this list. He is super well-respected around the NFL for the ability to develop talent. Uh, one of the primary guys uh, that developed Odell Beckham Jr. Um, had a lot of different other 
great stints in the NFL that uh, has developed. He's developed a lot of quality wide receivers. Uh, QB coach Andrew Janako. Uh, he was with the Vikings last year. A little bit of an unknown there. This that was his first year being a QB coach. Um, I don't think there was he he didn't get fired or anything. Obviously, Kirk Cousins had a good year there. It's just you don't know how he's going to handle a young quarterback. Um, I think a big reason why they brought in Andrew Janako um, for QB coach is because uh, he he worked under uh, oh my god why can't I think of his name uh, Stefanski oh, Kevin okay. Stefanski yeah he worked under Kevin Stefanski and or, and then he also worked with um, uh, who who was the OC for for Vikings last year last year yeah. Um, it his was, dad's it was, super notable. It was, um, the old Denver's coach's son. Yeah, um, yeah. Why am I blanking on his name? And that coach, he used to be the the Texans coach too. Dude, what the heck? Um, let me oh, look it up. <laughs> this looks bad. Uh, Vikings. No. Vikings OC twenty twenty one. Keep showing Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak. Kubiak. Yeah, so so uh, yeah, exactly. He worked under Kubiak as well. Um, so I think they're bringing him more as a guy that's also going to have a lot of play into how this offense is ran. Chris Morgan, offensive line coach. Now, listen, I think Juan Castillo was actually a pretty good offensive line coach. I don't. I even though the offensive line wasn't that great. Uh, he had he was a much more notable name than someone like Chris Morgan coming in. Um, that being said, Chris Morgan did have some really good offensive lines when he was with the Falcons, and more importantly, uh, worked under Kyle Shanahan, and that's a big reason why a lot of people forget that on a good offense, not like Matt Nagy's offense, all of these position groups are supposed to work in harmony and be on the same page. So the offensive line that you call for this scheme is not going to be the same that you call that you called for you know a. Andy Reid, West Coast offense, uh, spread system like what Matt Nagy was attempting to run. He, I, it's barely, uh, I, I struggle more to call that the Matt Nagy offense there. Um, and, and so because of that, you need an offensive line coach that knows the understanding. He's also going to play a huge role, I'm sure, in the run game. And then tight ends coach Jim Dre. Um, I think that they did a good job rounding out the bottom of the staff, but definitely most excited with Getsy and then the wide receiver coach and the quarterbacks coach. Yeah. And I like the, what you brought up too about um, Morgan and the offensive line coach. I, I do think that it's going to be an improvement in some ways. Cause I think that, you know, Juan Castillo, yeah, definitely a regarded name um, and, and, you know, has improved a lot of offensive lines a lot of places you know even um harry highstead before um yeah it was both of those are very notable offensive line coaches and yet both of them struggled and i think one thing that morgan's gonna bring is just a little bit more active offensive line play um mm-hmm. you know when's the last time that you saw a bell like a bears guard like really pull well or even a center, yeah. you know, pull you and, and, you and trap and and do all these different things along the offensive lines that create real holes um, that are going to allow the running game to 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 just really work at its best and be the most efficient and actually get some real productivity out of it. Um, so I'm re- I'm hoping that you know, like you said, that experience in the Shanahan system is going to bring uh, something that resembles a little bit more about what they got going on out there on the West Coast. 
Yeah, young Kyle Long was the last time we saw that there. Yeah, and maybe a little bit early Cody Whitehair. I th- I'm been a little bit critical with Cody Whitehair. So also, <clears throat> defense coordinator. We also found out this week, Alan Williams. Um, I think that this is a good hire in the sense that he knows Ibrafus's scheme, and that's I think the 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 main reason why he got the job. Um, I think Ibrafus does want to run his scheme, even though he's going to be the head coach and he's going to have a lot of hands off the defense as well. Um, I think that Alan Williams, the the one concern there is when he was with the Vikings, he had a bad defense. But that being said, it's kind of like when Leslie Frazier um, was the own defense coordinator with like the Bengals, where uh, there wasn't a lot of talent on that Vikings team. And then also on top of that, like now that Leslie Frazier is under a defensive head coach, he has someone he can lean on. So really he just needs to call plays. Same thing with Alan Williams. He's really just going to need to play, call plays. He's not going to be, you know, the details guy. He's not going to be running the whole operation there. Yeah. I think there's a couple of few, just like, I don't know if it's like hesitation is the word, but you know, Things to be worried about with Williams, but I, I do think that he has at least the right demeanor. Um, and I think when you're kind of looking at Ibrafus's right hand guy, like this is him, <laughs> mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. he was mainly brought in to come out here and execute Ibrafus's scheme, and he certainly wants a continuation of what's brought him success um, in Indianapolis. So I think that's mainly. Um, why he was brought in and he's a firm believer he's bought into what Matt Eberflus um, you know the the whole hit system he talked about that in the beginning of his press conference Um, so I think it's pretty clear that at least there's some alignment on vision um, on the defensive side of the ball and I think that's what really mattered for for Eberflus. Definitely and then two other coaches join Eberflus's um, defensive side of the ball, or I guess Williams defensive side of the ball, uh, from Indy. That's James Rowe at cornerbacks coach and Dave Borgosi, uh, at linebackers coach. Both these guys did a fantastic job in Indy. So I think that we're in good hands there. And then two other guys, defensive line, Travis Smith, um, who was an assistant with the Raiders since they had Khalil Mack. And I think the big reason why he got the job is probably a recommendation from Rod Marinelli, who stepped who I think probably was going to end up coming over here, but he ended up retiring from the NFL. Um, that's kind of what Ian Rappaport put out is that, hey, he was considering coaching again this year, but decided to step down. Uh, just do, I mean, he's 72 at this point. I think he, uh, and he's had some success in the NFL, uh, notable success. Um, so I think that he was going to, he probably got the recommendation. He probably recommended Travis Smith to Iberflus, and that's how he landed here. And then Andre Curtis, who comes over from the Seahawks, who did a really good job there as well. I mean, obviously, Quadre Diggs, who was uh, not considered all that great when he was with the Lions, had a career had a career year uh, with the uh, Seahawks. Where, uh, the Seahawks. Excuse me, this year. And then on top of that, he's also a free agent looking for a payday. Kind of wonder what he's going to get on the free agent market. Maybe he reunites with Curtis. Uh, we need a strong safety, anyways, but uh, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, and I think overall, I think as far as the positional coaches go, um, you know, we did certainly see the carryover, and Borgonzi, I think, is a good pickup. Um, and, and there's going to be, you know, the transition in the 4-3, I think, is definitely notable. I think they brought in some good staff that's going to make the change um, work. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I, I'm maybe not 100% sold on it. You know, I'm just, 
a three four i think the three four sometimes just works a little bit better and mm-hmm. as far as the tampa two goes i mean not over the moon about that but i think really where it comes in where this whole kind of foundation and Ibraflus's defense um and, and it'll be williams defense uh, in the case of his position um i i think that it's built you know and they use the tampa too because i think it is they do so much breaking down as far as the whole you know the efficiency you know how much players are working and just going into the football no matter what on every play um so i, I think that's ultimately i think the foundations and the principles of this defense are going to be built on are fairly clear um and i just maybe i'm just waiting to see the execution of it really yeah yeah for sure and i actually really liked alan williams in the press conference i thought he did a good job there as well um i didn't pay as much attention to it because our defense is good and our offense has been awful so i cared a little bit more about getsy and obviously having the young quarterback um and i know that eva is going to put together a good scheme for us um i remember watching him absolutely wreck the bears with the colts and then watching some of the colts defenses that year um really incredible and they didn't have anywhere near the edge rushing talent that the chicago bears have on this roster uh, which i think is something that alan williams kind of alluded to almost (laughs) um so you know i i I think that it's uh i think that ultimately the staff is pretty good i'm a little more confident on the offensive side of the ball truthfully though as far as like coordinators go i know i think that's that's fair you know and he may not have had the edge rushing talent but he had deforest buckner i mean and um why i'm always blank on leonard um on their middle oh, linebacker. But. Yeah, I'm Darius Leonard. Yeah, Darius Leonard. I mean, of course, yep. he's notable. Um, but those are really two the, the two biggest names that they had. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So ultimately, I, I feel pretty good. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention uh, before we move on, because this episode is going to be uh, focused primarily around previewing this offseason and the potential moves we can do. Um, I, I saw an interesting take somewhere. I can't remember where, but someone mentioned the fact that because the NFL is swinging so heavily in the in in the uh, side of offensive head coaches, that soon we might actually see a benefit of defensive head coaches. Because I mean, this is crazy to think about. Because I feel like even just like five years ago, maybe like even like ten years ago, it was like mostly defensive coaches in the NFL. Mostly head coaches were defensive head coaches. Now, I, I counted it today. There's eight defensive coaches in the AFC and only three in the NFC. So only about a third of the league has defensive head coaches. And, you know, a lot of those guys are like Bill Belichick um, and uh, John Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, who, you know, are, are very obviously notable names, but not don't really specialize in that. And the reason why... The the person I'm referring to said this because it's gonna be it's gonna it, it's pretty difficult to build a really good offensive supporting staff if you're not an elite offensive mind. So essentially, if you're not the Sean McVay's of the world or you know uh, the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, you struggle to get guys below you because they want to find their own spot where they can kind of take over a, a bigger role. So if you're not the mentor or like an Andy Reid mentor type, 
you kind of want to shift more towards a defensive staff where you can actually run your own show and, and decide your own fate rather than uh, actually having that. So I thought that was really interesting and it could be a benefit for the Bears going forward. Yeah, and I think we're seeing a little bit more of a pushback to it. You know, I think we'll see it adjust back a little bit in the future because I think there's been some real believers off of, you know, Mike Vrabel and the job that he's done in Tennessee. Um, so I think it's had people starting to think. So I remember, I remember seeing D'Amico Ryan's name pop up mm-hmm. a few times um, earlier on, and, and he was a rising name at one point and didn't end up getting a position. Um, but I think we'll see it adjust back, but I think at least for the time being, sure, I think it's a little bit of, a, of an advantage. Um, like you said, coordinators, they can make themselves stand out. Um, you know, one of the easier pathways to getting a head coaching position is probably going to be being a top coordinator on one of these you know, defensive head coaches teams. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, in reality, I think it could work out for the bears. I don't feel any particular type of way about it. Cause I would have been, you know, very happy with someone like yeah. a Byron left, which, um, but I do think which, that who, did, who, by the way, didn't get a head coaching job this cycle, right. which wasn't there like a whole, he was basically supposed to get the position with Jacksonville. Right. But then they kind of, yeah. So <laughs> a lot of people in the NFL hate Trent Balky. Uh, specifically yeah. going back to his time with the 49ers, who's notably there with Jim Harbaugh. And he rubbed a lot of people there the wrong way. And as that kind of shifted throughout the NFL, the rumor spread and no one really wants to, uh, to work for him. And uh, uh, supposedly, obviously um, the rumors were that uh, uh, Leftwich and the Jaguars had a deal in place, but he said, listen, I'm not having Trent Balky as my GM. That, that he said there's no way. And I'm sure he got that a little bit from Arians. Uh, probably, you know, give him a heads up. Arians, who was in the league for a very long time. Um, and, and Byron Leftwich, a, a newer coach. So I think he's only been really coaching for like four seasons. Um, he said, hey, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want that. And then the Jaguars actually interviewed another uh, person for a front office position that Byron Leftwich recommended who report the reports are that was going to be his GM and uh, the Jaguars were like, no, we'll go with Doug Peterson as long as we can keep Trent Balky because that's really who we want to keep. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how that coaching hire works out down there. I mean, I can't lie to say I'm at least a little bit excited to see what a Doug Peterson, uh, Trevor Lawrence offense could do. Um, So we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Certainly. All right, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this offseason. I think that this offseason is really, <laughs> we say this every year, but it's really important. It's crucial. You know, <laughs> it, it's crucial. <laughs> this year is really important. <laughs> no. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think it is very important because I mentioned last offseason, the real goal of last offseason was to get a quarterback. If you, I said this very clear. I don't care how we do in 2021. As long as we have a good quarterback by the end of that season and he's positioned for success, I'm happy for it. Uh, and I, I would deem it a success. Sure enough, I, I think that Justin Fields is someone that I feel really confident in. Uh, most confident I've ever been in a Bears quarterback. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's not saying a lot, but <laughs> I, I think that I would be shocked if Fields is bad. Um, I think he has a really high ceiling. It's just going to depend on how, you know, how much he actualized that. And Luke Getz is going to be a huge role in that. But what's also going to be a huge part in this is how we build a team around him. 
And that's why the very first thing I want to talk a little bit about is the positions of need on this team. I think offensive line is pretty clear. Um, I think uh, offensive, uh, potent, like interior offensive line, I, I, I think we saw a huge step back in. Center position, I think, is garbage. I think Sam Mustafer, after having a good first year, I think he looked terrible. Cody Whitehair, I think that he looks average at best, at best, um, truthfully. So, uh, and James Daniels, I know that he has some, he has, he needs to be a lot more consistent. He has some really good games, but he needs to be a lot more consistent. Yeah. And I, I think offensive line is clearly, I mean, it's been, been nine, my number one all along. I think it's clear a left tackle would be optimal. I would love to have Tevin Jenkins play at the right. Um, and, and I'd be fine with, I, I think Cody Whitehair is at least passable. Uh, I, I'm fine with at least keeping him. Um, but James Daniels, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way with him, but at the same time, it's been the inconsistencies, some games, he's really just not been, um, at the, the quality of player that I'd want him to be at. So I think ultimately if you could get another two quality interior offensive linemen as well, um, I'd be pretty pretty happy about that um and then that kind of just naturally leads over to the other i think position of opportunity on the offense which is wide receiver which i, I think you know some people put o-line at number one and put wide receiver at number two and other people do it vice versa um, we have one wide receiver under contract for next season right now is that just darnell mooney, mooney. Yeah. just darnell mooney that's it so clearly Clearly, that's a, an important position, and I, I think there's, you know, maybe a little bit to be figured out with Allen Robinson, but I think ultimately he's not going to be on this team anymore. Um, and there's a couple of players I, I think you could think about retaining someone like Daz Newsom. I think he certainly brings mm-hmm. um, some important qualities to the table or has a little bit of promise. And I think Jakeem Grant seems like a good player to mm-hmm. keep around. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of positions that could certainly be filled or, or, you know, at the very least improved, um, in the wide Mm -hmm. receiver grouping. Definitely. And and the one thing that I want to say, you mentioned left tackle. This is my best case scenario for the bears. I think in free agency, you go out and you swing big at left tackle. I know like even someone like Toronto Armstead, I get that he's 30 and that we're entering like a little bit of a rebuild, but listen, it is going to be so crucial for Justin Fields' development that he has a good left tackle protecting his blind side. And because of that, even if Teron Armstead starts to fall off before we become major contenders, it's still worth it because it's going to be a piece in developing Justin Fields. When you do that, you then get to swing Tevin Jenkins to right tackle, who's going to be a absolutely stellar right tackle in the NFL. We're still, jury's out if he's going to be a good left tackle. I'm very confident he's going to be a great right tackle if he switches over there. And then Borum can switch into guard and Whitehair can switch back to center. And I think Whitehair honestly has been a better center than he's been a guard um, in, in the NFL. And I think it's because he's I, he struggles a little bit with the, the guys that can make really strong lateral moves. I've noticed he doesn't yeah. have great lateral ability. So he's when he can just take on those, you know, if he's playing with a guy that's playing the zero technique, 
you know, guys just bull, essentially bull rushing right into him. He can handle that, but he struggles when a guy just like gets an edge on him. And so that's why I think he he's he's been a much better center. Definitely needs to figure out those like some of the snap issues he was having for a little bit. Um, but I, I like that. And I think that's already just adding one player, making your offensive line a lot more stronger. Then in the draft, you can readdress and you know, you don't necessarily you I, I think you'd feel pretty com- comfortable with Daniels and Borum at guard, but uh, you can definitely upgrade there as well. And so if uh, opportunity presents itself in the draft, you can make that happen too. Um, as far as wide receiver goes, man, Allen Robinson, I think is gone. Um, you're going to need to get a wide receiver for Justin Fields. Like we can't roll out a, a bum wide receiver. So I expect the Bears to be a big player in this wide receiver market. I don't expect the Bears to be a player for Devontae Adams. Yeah, not I, really. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't expect that. So I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble here, but I do not accept that. Expect that. Someone like Mike Williams, though, I think that I think that's in play. Someone like uh, uh, Chris Godwin, even though I, I wouldn't be super hyped up about having a slot receiver as my top receiver, but still, I mean, that wide receiver. Step puts, up. Yeah, in the in the slot, honestly, nowadays, like having a, a wide receiver that's slow, solely a slot receiver is kind of a time of the past. Like all wide receivers will play in the slot, play outside if you're in an even somewhat updated offensive scheme. Um, but a couple other positions I think worth mentioning: why uh, tight end? I mean, who? I mean, Cole Komet. I think I was really critical of Cole Komet. He needs to learn how to catch a damn touchdown. I mean, the fact that he didn't catch a touchdown, you're a tight end. You didn't catch a touchdown all season is ridiculous. Um, but uh, so I think we're going to need to find someone that can at least be the serviceable. He is the one thing he's good at though, man, he is actually fairly good at blocking and he gets open. He just drops some catches. Dude. I think he just gets scared, man. Kind of. I literally do. Like he ducks passes. Do you remember the one I forgot which week it even was, but it was the worst like tip up. He literally like already started that to cause du- an interception. Yeah, he already started to duck to the ground. He was ducking the hit, and since he ducked down, he tipped the ball up and into the yeah defensive back's hands. Like it's just I, he plays kind of scared. And maybe that's just him adjusting to the NFL, and it can be a little you know freaky going through the middle as a tight end. But um, I have to say, I think he has the potential to be a fairly good tight end. But we're definitely going to at least need to get a guy in here that's going to, you know, be a true, either a true blocking tight end or like kind of someone in the role that how Jimmy Graham was supposed to be used last year, where he's just going to catch touchdown passes. Um, And then another thing. Yeah, I was going to say, even in the draft, it was even someone that, you know, we'll talk about the draft a little bit later. McBride. Um, I I was going to say actually on Coastal Carolina, Isaiah Mm. Likely. I think yeah. he would be a decent pickup and like probably could get within the third, maybe fourth round. Yeah, I think you might even get him a little bit, potentially even a little lower than that. I like him. I like the kid from Washington too, Kate Otten. Okay. Um, I like, uh, I think he, but he's kind of a little similar to Cole Komet. I really like Trey, Mc, uh, Trey McBride, which is funny because we had a Trey McBride on this team before, T-R-E <laughs> McBride, uh, notably got in a f- fight with Josh Bellamy. Um, but in all seriousness, like he, Trey McBride from Colorado state, uh, he is a really good tight end and he's a willing blocker. Um, I think that he's going to be really good in the NFL. I don't know where he's going to go. Cause he's one of those guys where like you could see a team, maybe get him in the second round, like mid second round. And then also you can potentially see, a, uh, see him going later, like fourth round. Um, cause there's, a, there's actually 
a couple decent tight ends this year. There's also that kid from Mississippi State. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I'm blanking um, on it too. But there are a couple decent yeah. tight ends, and I think that. Or is know, it A and M? He might played for A and M. I can't remember. I always get those two schools confused. I that A and M player I know is Spiller. What Isaiah Spiller? Their running back. I think. Oh, the running back. Yeah, he's he's a good running back. He's decent. Um, but uh, what I was gonna say that yeah, this offense is a fine. It's you know it's George Kittle. You know, they need yeah. they need someone that. Honestly, if you look around the, you know, maybe with the, like the Bengals, Azuma's like, okay. But most of these up and coming quarterbacks have a, usually a pretty good tight end with them too. Um, yeah. Just because they're such a great, they're, I mean, the tight end position is so versatile in today's NFL. You get a good tight end. It's, it's like a multi-tool, you know, you can use them everywhere. Kind of wonder if the Bears would consider being a big player for Mike Gesicki. Uh, cause I mean, tight end, I've always thought was a pretty good value, even at like 11 million at being like the top contract, which is like something that Gesicki would get. Um, I think that would be stellar if the bears could get Gesicki on that. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Miami's going to try to do whatever they can, especially now that they got an offensive head coach to keep Gesicki. Um, another uh, position of need that I think is kind of going unnoticed right now is inside linebacker. We're switching to a four, three. We're going to need a lot more linebackers. Yeah, I mean, inside linebacker, um, most definitely. And I think especially when you talk about, um, God, why am I brilliant? Kind of Trevathan, Danny Trevathan starting to fade out a little yeah. bit, you know. The, yeah, the depth needs to start to to build a little bit there. And let, right, we're moving away from, you know, the outside linebackers in the 4-3 scheme versus the 3-4 the scheme are going to be totally different where we're going to have – you know, Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn are going to become ends now on the defensive line and will no longer be in that linebacker position grouping. So, yeah, things are going to have to shape up a little bit differently. And I'm curious, you know, who they view on this current roster as maybe being able to play those. Um, it wouldn't be the Mike, but be a Will and Sam linebacker positions. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's a lot of talent there besides Alec Ogletree, who's also in a con off a contract at uh, following the conclusion of this past season. Um, I, I do. The good news is this inside linebacking class linebacker class is really, really good uh, in this deep, draft. Man. It's super deep. You have even guys like, uh, who would, who are kind of freaks of nature, like the Marvian overshone, uh, with Texas, man, yeah. he, he's going to go later in the draft. Georgia has three good linebackers. They have, uh, Oh, I'm blanking on the the what's the Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean, yeah. They have Quay Walker and then they have Channing Tyndall. I think Tyndall would be a, a, a in play for the Bears. Um and then the the linebacker for uh Utah. Um what's his name? Oh man. Oh dude. Oh, why am I blanking on it? Is his is it white? Something No, it's not white. Um dude, why am I blanking on it? He's going to go first round probably too. Yeah, he should go for Devin Lloyd. That's what Devin it is. Lloyd. Devin That's Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah, Devin Lloyd. Uh, God, all, dude, throwing out all these names can sometimes get us confused. Um, I I think that like, you know, on some of the on some of the simulators I've used, he's fallen out of the first round just because the good news is for the Bears, 
a lot of teams don't need inside linebackers the way they need them in the past either. And even in the later rounds, dude, you have guys like uh, the kid from Wyoming too. Can't remember his name either. But like, you, you, there's some good linebackers in this class, like a lot better than we've seen in the past. Listen, guys, there's a lot of good kids at a lot of these schools that you gotta be looking. They have out great for. names too. <laughs> But honestly, that that Georgia linebacking core reminds me a lot of like USC, maybe like circa 07, 08, when they had like Brian mm-hmm. Cushing, Clay Matthews, and yeah. uh, I'm blanking on the one that got drafted by the Bengals. I know his last name started with an M. But oh, I, you know, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I you know can't what I'm talking about. Name. But um, yeah, you guys know who we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> we don't need the names. You remember you remember the NFL like 10, 12 years ago, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, inside linebacker and then defensive side of the ball, um, cornerback for sure. I, I do have faith in players like Thomas Graham. Um, obviously, jo- Jalen Johnson is you know kind of like the guy that we feel confident in. Um, I feel okay with putting Vildor. Um, Vildor, Duke Shelley, someone like that, and the nickel. Ray Maluga. Ray Maluga. There we go. Yeah. And that's a name right there, man. That's yeah. Ray Maluga. But, um, yeah, ultimately cornerback is going to be a position of need as well. Yeah, huge need. And uh, I, I, I think that there are also – the unfortunate thing is the cornerback class in this year is really top-heavy. And I think there's going to be a run at them right in the beginning. Like, you might get a good guy in the second round. Um, I know someone that's talked about in the second round a lot is Andrew Booth Jr. potentially going in the second round as someone that could fall out. Um, also, the Georgia cornerback as well. Um, I've, I, even, I've seen uh, even Kyrie Lamb uh, follow on some mocks. It, if he can do that, man, I would be all in but i don't know <laughs> i if, love kyer alam i think he's gonna be a great great corner i don't Darian know kendrick was the was the georgia cornerback i was speaking on by the way okay as well i don't know if he'll fall i don't know if a lamb will fall to the bears but i don't know if he'll go super high yeah i could see him potentially falling just briefly out of the first round i mean we have the seventh overall pick in the second round so how would you uh, how would you feel about a dax hill I'm not a huge, like, huge Dax Hill fan. Um, I mean, for what? Because I, I know some people for safety or for a corner. Yeah, I mean, I think he might play better at safety in the, in the That's league, what I think but... a lot of people are, like, projecting him as. Um, I don't know. I, he's a little undersized, isn't he? Or is he just yeah. skinny? I don't know. He hits pretty well. Yeah, I mean, some of the film you can see it for sure, but... I I mean honestly I think Dax Hill would be good as a safety if we're trying to get a safety but I have a couple guys we're gonna mention in a later segment that I I would prefer at safety. Okay. Um, but yeah, those those are really the main things. I mean, can you think maybe you get a back another backup quarterback late in the draft? Um, <laughs> or do you just keep know. Foles? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to keep Foles in this contract. <laughs> we need to develop another guy. <laughs> I mean, in, in the wing. Um, but the one thing that I want to say is I'm I'm really interested how all in the Bears are going to go this offseason. Like are cuz we are in a weird spot where we we shouldn't go all in at, in terms of trying to compete, but we need to get good young pieces 
for to build around with Justin Fields and to build a good offense. We just have to. They need to get some hustlers, you know. Some players are gonna hustle. <laughs> They're gonna run. They yeah, need to run. Exactly. I, I think that they need to we go. We need real runners. <laughs> they need to go all in though, as far as the identity. You know, it, it, for the players that they want to fit what they're trying to accomplish, they need to absolutely go all in. And I think a lot of that starts on the offensive side of the ball. I think that they need to take, and I think even at the inside linebacking position too, some of these places where they're thinning out a little bit with players going out of contract, it's really an opportunity to to get a bunch of players that you know fit your mold, that that fit what you want to do with your team. Um, so I think that the Bears are a little bit, you know, maybe luck themselves i mean into a positive situation and Mm -hmm. and that there's going to be some roster turnover that just is inevitably going to happen and uh you know right now is a decent draft to get some some good depth players it's a terrible draft for quarterbacks so it was good that we got that resolved last year and uh yeah just move on from there it's time to start stacking especially at the offensive line position uh wide receiver and i think uh you know Obviously, we talked about inside linebacker is a big need, but I think corner as well are probably the the top three that really need to be shored up. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that, you know, as long as you get these guys on good deals, you can always get rid of them later if need be. Or, like, you you can always retool a little bit when Fields is starting to hit his growth and and when he's going to be really good. Because really... What's going to define this team's ceiling is really Justin Fields. If you get a good quarterback like you saw with the Bengals and uh, and jeez, uh, 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 why am I blanking on his name? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. <laughs> oh Joe, my goodness, I, I hate I hate all the nicknames. I have to say, there's enough nicknames for Joe Burrow at this point. Uh, we can calm it down on the Joe Burrow. Joe Shiesty. Um, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, but the other the other question really is like, what are we going to do with Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn? Because I think, and I was actually talking about Zach with this. Um, if there's an, a, a, I, I don't think the Bears should be like actively wanting to trade Khalil Mack, but if a good opportunity presents itself, I think it should be considered. Robert Quinn, I think you should try to trade. Um, we'll see if we do. Um, I, I don't think that either of these guys are really slowing down either. But I, I just view us on more of like a two, three-year window rather than like we need to have these guys on contract now. Yeah. The, for Khalil Mack, though, just because the fact they had basically probably some of the best years of his career in a 4-3, it's just like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'd just at least like to see it till the trade deadline, you know? I want to mm-hmm. see how it looks for a couple of weeks. For Robert, and you reunite him with his uh, a D-line assistant he worked with for, with the Raiders. Right, exactly. But I think for Robert Quinn, his value is never going to be higher. You know, I, I think yeah, that's without question. Um, so as much as it would be hard to, you know, get rid of the player that just broke the, the sack record for you. I mean, I think you at least got to be open to the conversation. He's an all pro man. He was an all pro this year. He was a second team all pro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, he absolutely needs to be in the conversation. I mean, I I really think you could get a valuation similar to what Von Miller got valued at. Uh, a second round pick and a third round pick. I, I see that being very plausible. Um, for I think Robert you have Quinn. to pull the trigger on that too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would certainly do that because I think we what we need most is good young players. Um, Robert Quinn is a great player, and we're definitely going to be having a hole at that edge position. But in the second round, there's some good there's some good edge rushers that you can bring in. Um, guy like uh, Jermaine Johnson. 
from Florida State, I know is drawing up a lot of buzz. Uh, he is, I, I think, going to be fantastic in the NFL. And uh, maybe he ends up going in the first round. But there's a lot. Of, there's, I think there's a lot of people that think he's going to slip into the second. I've seen a lot of simulators drop him into the second uh, just based off of team needs as well. And this is a good edge rusher class. Um, really, for, it, it is top heavy as well. But it's top heavy until like the second round. Yeah, you know, like I agree. It, like you got some really good edge rushers. It's like a one A and one B class, you know. Yeah, and I, seriously. Um. So yeah, I I I think that we you have to look to trade Robert Quinn personally. <laughs> the Bears make the move to go up and get Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> trade Justin Fields, no. Oh, by the way, I th- I feel like we need to adjust that. Don't listen to anyone that thinks the Bears are going to trade Justin Fields. Oh, I, I saw another guy on Twitter as well, also talking about how he has friends in Hallis Hall and how Luke Getze was talk was uh, talking with Devontae Adams this past week, and that Devontae Adams is going to tour Hallis Hall before free agency. Uh, that is that's uh that, that's known as tampering. That's tampering, my friend. <laughs> You've just outed the Bears publicly, you know. Seriously. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I saw even. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a Pittsburgh Steelers. One of my friends yeah. sent me a Pittsburgh Steelers article that was like, oh, they should try to get Justin Fields. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't and think I, he's going to be on the market. But And the uh, the trade comparison for that, they, they mentioned is like, he's going to get a Josh Rosen-like trade package of a second-round pick. <laughs> Dude, if you offered the Bears two first-round picks right now, they would not give you Justin Fields. There's no way in hell. Like, just, Justin Fields is the Bears organization is very confident in Justin Fields. The NFL is very confident in Justin Fields. I don't know why, for some reason, they're picking on Justin Fields when you look at the other player. Like, he was the second-best quarterback of the rookie class last year. I don't know why you think the Bears would want to trade that. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting Hey, I think it's because, like, people... You have to give <laughs> Trevor Lawrence the automatic pass because he's just on Jacksonville, so I think everyone automatically feels bad for him. And then Zach Wilson, I don't know why people are like Zach Wilson truth. Or Trey but, Lance. Trey, like, Trey Lance went above him. Yeah, I mean, that's true too. He, we just haven't seen Trey Lance play that much. But yeah. kind of based on like the other, the other like quarterbacks that aren't named like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, that are young quarterbacks, like none of them have really popped off, you know. Well, Joe Joe Burrow wasn't even that great his rookie year. Well, now Joe Burrow looked, but he was hurt. Uh, well, before that, he didn't look that great. I, I mean, the fact he got hurt the, like the what game was it? Like the fifth game in, we saw five games of him. Yeah. It's almost as much as we've seen well, at Justin Fields. Basically, and they had the same offensive line situation. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Joe, by the way, Joe Burrow had the starting uh, job since training camp. So he's taking number one reps with it's like some people are so dumb. They just don't with uh, with the exception of Justin Herbert and maybe Deshaun Watson his rookie year. It's just so rare to see rookie quarterbacks do well their first year because they go to bad teams like the Chicago Bears. And they they play with terrible offensive lines, and they have bad head coaches, and you kind of have to wait for the team to figure that out. And they're rookies. Cut them a break, you know. Cut them a break. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, let's go ahead and move on 
Something that also caught my eye that was flying around Bears Twitter recently was this article talking about how the analytics really say that David Montgomery isn't a great running back. Um, and that we should potentially consider moving on from him or not moving on from him, like cutting him, but like reducing his role and maybe finding a new guy. So I, I guess this kind of begs the question, is David Montgomery good enough? Is and he good enough? Yeah. Is he good enough? Like, or should we be looking up? And here, here's my take on this. I think David Montgomery is a good running back. Don't get me wrong. I actually really like David Montgomery. I wanted the Bears to draft David Montgomery in 2019. But that being said, and he ha- he truthfully hasn't gotten enough credit for what he can't do. But I view th- this situation as a similar situation to Mark Ingram with the with the Saints back in the day. Mark Ingram was a good running back, but he had some limitations, I would say. Um, and David Montgomery's specific limitation is that home run threat speed. So I don't think the Bears have an issue with David Montgomery. That being said, the Bears would look awesome if they had their Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I think that David Montgomery is more than capable. I, I think that he's done well. I think that, you know... Some years he's, I mean, he's certainly done well enough where he has rushed and accumulated some of the better totals within the league over, you know, his span the NFL. And I'd With say terrible offensive lines. Yeah, terrible offensive lines. And he still looked like, you know, maybe a borderline top 10 like running back. You know, I'd say that's where he is in my mind. I would say he's top 10. I wouldn't say he's top five, though. I think yeah, people that top, say that are crazy. Top five is, is, I think, a complete reach for him. He just doesn't have the big play potential to be considered top five. And I, I think mm-hmm. I just say borderline top 10 because I think there's some players that have a smaller role, if you can believe it, that maybe even still just have a little bit greater of an impact. Um, but I think that Dave Montgomery can do great things i think that he can feature well in this offense but i do think that we need to see a role reducal for him and i do think we need to see more out Khalil herbert i i think I it's very possible that you know part of the solution is just seeing more of Khalil herbert i think he is just that much more versatile i think that he just kind of fits in the modern day nfl offense a little bit better Mm-hmm. And the games that he did really well in this past year were against some of the tougher rushing defenses in the league, too. Seriously, like, Tampa, Green Bay. He's not really a joke. Um, and I think that it was definitely – I really hope that this new offensive staff sees the the potential that he has and fully taps into it because um, we only saw it out of necessity uh, last year. And that's what – if I'm being honest, I think the Bears' best rushing offenses were when Khalil Herbert was taking that starting role. This entire offseason. I think his explosiveness. Here's the thing. When you have a. If you build a good offensive line first. But you also have a running back. That's really good. And then a quarterback that can also run the ball. Oh my god. You open the playbook up so much. You can do so much. Because teams have to respect so many different things. When you have a, a running back that's as explosive as Khalil Herbert. Where. That's the thing. Khalil Herbert might not have the best vision, but he is able to pick out that first opening in the offensive line. And then once he gets in the open field, that's when he has really good vision. Like he, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to, 
I want to say, I don't think there's any reason. There's no reason why a Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery backfield can't be as efficient as a, a Cam Akers and Sony Michelle backfield. It sh- I think it should be better than that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. And and that's and that's the running back tandem that's in the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, true. Great point. I mean, like I don't think like look, having a very Herbert has a lot of similarities to Cam Akers. I think think their game is somewhat similar. Um and I just I think that you having an elite running back is a benefit a hundred percent in the league. Having a top five running back is, is great. It gives you an advantage. Um but at the same time, you know, the team that's got the best running back hasn't hasn't had a Super Bowl to show for it. You know, Derrick Henry, they yeah. they've choked out every time they've been in the playoffs. So, you know, as much as running the football is important in the playoffs, a lot of times it's kind of just like the best balanced backfield. I mean, look at what yeah. Brady did with his running backs. Look at what Brady's done like with Fournette and all of that. And I even thought that they could have gotten Giovanni Bernard a little more featured in their game against mm-hmm. the Rams. Um, it's about having versatility out of the backfield. And I think the Bears have it. They just need to use it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that a potential free agent option actually might be someone from that Bucks with someone like a Ronald Jones. Oh, um, Ronald Jones is good. Yeah, and he's not going to get a big thing because he saw major role reducals with, uh, with uh, uh, Fournette. Yeah, Fournette. Sorry. Um, here's and I think that he would fit a Shanahan scheme really well. I think what he does. Same with Khalil Herbert. I think that type of Shanahan offensive like scheme. I think would fit someone. You kind of want like if you look at the Shanahan offenses, they don't have like bigger backs kind of like david montgomery like tough backs they Even have fast Mitchell's backs. not that big <laughs> yeah no they they don't they really don't emphasize that they emphasize more quickness and uh just having good vision i think khalil herbert's a good fit i think ronald jones is a good fit um so i could see us even potentially adding a running back there um do i think we need to go spend a high draft pick on it no i i don't think so i think we're good for now um but definitely would not be surprised if we saw khalil herbert steal a lot of touches from david montgomery almost hoping so (laughs) i i want to see him more too i think it's criminal what matt Nagy, matt Nagy's lack of desire to give it to him was criminal um but let's go ahead and move on to the final topic uh Again, looking now into the draft, the draft is coming up in what? It's in April, so two Couple months? months now, yeah. Yeah, or three months. Sorry, I, I, I don't – wait. No, two months. Sorry, I, I don't oh, have man. any – outside of forgetting names, I also don't know how many months there are in the year or the order in which they come in. Um, <laughs> but there are 10 players that we should potentially look in drafting that we uh, – we we collectively made uh and so we each picked five players and uh going based off of our team needs i think and also just where the talent is in this draft but reese why don't you go ahead and start us off here yeah one of them that i put out there just been seeing the name i think maybe i had the impression during the college football season that he'd be someone that might be going in the first round but i think i've been seeing his name slide a little bit down don't know if he's the absolute perfect receiver for the Bears, but I think there could certainly be a connection that was developed with Fields, and that's uh, Johan Dotson, uh, mm-hmm. wide receiver from Penn State. Um, brings some really crazy good speed. It really fits the the naggy mold of wide receivers. Just let's bring in a lot of real fast guys. He doesn't have crazy big size, which is probably my one big knock on him. He's only 5'11", um, but he does have you know great athletic ability, so I think he'd be someone interested in bringing on. Is that actually how you say his first name? 
I mean, I don't know if it's Jahan. I, I, I don't know. I think uh, it's Johan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have no clue either. I always thought it was Jahan, but I could, I could be Whatever. completely wrong. I don't watch a lot of Penn State football, if I'm being completely honest. Um, most of which I've seen Jahan Doxson or Johan Doxson, whatever, whatever his name is. <laughs> One of them. Um, actually, you know, I, I feel like we need to figure that out. Uh, so we took a couple of minutes to try to figure out how it's pronounced. We'll just call him Dotson for now. I'm sure someone in the YouTube or, or the podcast will let us know what his actual name is. Um, but I agree. I, I like Dotson. I think he'd be a good wide receiver. A um, little bit of a he has a little bit of a, a big play ability. Actually, he's not the fastest guy, but he has some, some big play ability to him, which uh, I like I, his I shiftiness. Well. You know, he's got yeah. He can really take that like you know middle slant. You know that post route make it work so i appreciate yeah that. yeah no certainly i uh, i completely agree with that um my first guy another wide receiver this has been my guy i i hope we can get him in the third round i think he probably goes late second but i hope we can get him in the third round that's george pickens i think he's going to be a number one wide receiver in this league someday um, I like his attitude. I like his route running ability. I like how versatile he is. I think he's just going to be a really good wide receiver. Can play out the slot. Can play out the outside. Um, I I cannot say. I am honestly a little bit surprised this man is not a fir- considered a first round pick. I think I've only seen like one or two mocks that have him going like thirty one or thirty two in the yeah. first round. Um, and I I knew I had to leave him there for you. He's been your guy all along. Yeah. Love that pick. Love it, yeah. love it. I think we texted about it um, during the the national championship game. The man is a monster. Um, He's crazy. So we need more guys with his attitude too. I feel like I mean, yeah, I, you some know, swagger. You know, I, I hate swagger. to I hate to bring up uh, you being a Michigan fan, but I'm sure you saw against Michigan when uh, he completely just destroyed the DB and block it or in blocking. It might have been Dax Hill. Yeah, I think it was Dax. He pointed to the sideline and then did that. I mean, it was crazy. It's a great highlight if you guys want to watch it. Um, just a, a really good wide receiver. Tall, too. Like, that's the thing. Prototypical build. It's like yeah. rarely do you see a guy that's a prototypical build, good route runner, decent hands, uh, able to play all around the field, um, also played at the highest level uh, against some really great competition and then not be widely considered. Um, I, I just think it's a, a home run pick. Um, but yeah, uh, next guy. Yeah. And almost what you said about the prototypical build and doing against some of the best competitions, a little bit of a preview for one of the other receivers that I have. I'm going to switch it to the other side of the football real quick. I'm going to go with Roger McCreary, a cornerback mm. out of Auburn. Um, I think, you know, second, third round, I think he'll be around and available at that time. Um, just doesn't quite have the same hype as some of the top cornerbacks do in the draft. Um, but what I like about him, he can play man, he can play zone, does both efficiently, um, which the playing zone is going to be critical um, for this new defensive scheme. Um, has decent height, like the way he plays the ball. Is not a huge turnover monster, though. Kind of a little bit like Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't produce a load of picks, um, but but good on the pass coverage, discipline and coverage. Um, and I think overall, you're drafting a, a you're drafting a cornerback too. There, I think. Yeah, certainly. I, I I like McCurry as well. I've seen some mocks having up towards a higher second round, which I wouldn't be a huge fan of there. But if you can get him, you know, later second round, or early third, uh, I think that's a that's a great pick. And we definitely need a cornerback, man. We we definitely need one. I'm also going DB. Uh, I also love this guy. Hit, hits like crazy. Um, played on a, a pretty good defense considering the school. Uh, that's Jalen Cantalon uh, from okay. Arkansas. 
Um, huge fan of Jen Cantillon. I think he would do a really good job um, being what we need with Eddie Jackson, uh, doing all the dirty work, cleaning up. I think he's got that aggressiveness to edge. I think that the coaching staff uh, defensively, I think Iberflus would love him. Um, and I could, I could just see him being really good. I could, you know, he, he, he just, he's a good, he's a good safety. I think he's going to be a strong safety in the NFL. Yeah. And honestly, Arkansas got a lot of gamers on that team. Uh, yeah. You know, not on the defensive side. Of Traylon football. Burks. Traylon Burks. Uh, Ooh, man, he's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 do you think there's any any chance he could like fall out of the first no, round? I don't think so. He's like my. He's like my. I. I think he's wide receiver one for me personally. I. I. I I just don't see any other guy like that's better. Than I mean, him. I do like Jamison Williams a lot, but that injury hurts. I mean, for sure, yeah. uh, injury hurts. Uh, Jamison Williams, very good. Um, and a couple, I mean, of course, the, the Ohio State wide receivers that are probably going to come off the board in the first round where it was hard not to put someone like Olave on this list just because I think there's been so much hype for that possible connection. Um, we already but, have our small, fast guy. It's like all the wide receivers in this class are like small, fast guys like Darno Moody, you know? Except except for my next player, man, Justin Ross. Wide receiver. Oh, at Justin Ross. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about the prototypical build, um, someone that played really well in uh, some big games in those playoff college football playoff five star recruit for Clemson is certainly a bigger name, almost kind of crazy that, you know, we're talking about him probably being available um, after day one. Uh, if you would ask well me a couple, after day round, it, maybe even day day three. And we'll which is wrong. crazy because you would ask me two years ago, I would have never seen it coming. I would have thought he would have been a first round uh, draft pick all the way. There's a couple a couple issues, but I think as far as build, I really want the Bears to get a receiver of that size, six four. Um, it's got the build like Mike Williams, got the build like George Pickens. Fast, and, he's pretty fast, good route runner. I think the major concern there is injuries. Uh, I think, I think so, that's, yeah. I, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet on it, it with a <laughs> talent like that. I'm willing to bet on it yeah. truthfully. So, um, yeah, if he was our top wide receiver going into the year, I might be a little concerned. Um, uh, but you know, I, getting him in the third round home run. Yeah, I think so. Uh, next guy I have actually defensive lineman. Um, I think that we will, it's going to be interesting to see this transition because I think we will need to get another three technique uh, defensive line or defensive tackle. Um, and that's Devontae Wyatt uh, out of Georgia. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Wyatt. I think, uh, you know, Jordan Davis oftentimes gets a lot of the hype because he's just an absolute monster there. But Jordan Jordan Davis truthfully wouldn't even really fit what this team needs at that position that well because he's more he's going to be a nose tackle on a 3-4 team, I think, um, or should be at least. Um, but Devontae Wyatt, man, he he has some really good finesse moves. He's got some power. I think he's really well-rounded. And, uh, you know, I've seen a, th- he is uh, all across different boards, truthfully. Like some people are saying he might go in the first round. Some people are saying he might go all the way down in the fifth round. I think he's going to go more in the third round, potentially, maybe second round. Second, third round is where I view him. Um, I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I think from the third round value – onwards would be a, a very good value for him um mm-hmm. if you give him a third fourth and like you said if, if it's possible to get him in the fifth i think that's a a home run pick at that position um and, and i then i really want to start to look over to the offensive line my last two players um first one being abraham lucas uh, offensive tackle from washington state or wazoo 
Um, just really kind of like the lateral movement we talked about. Um, some of the Bears' offensive struggles with that. I think he's got you know some of the best work with his hands um, and you know just overall upper body movement. Doesn't get twisted around too much. So I, I like the game that he brings. I'm not sure if he'd be able to to slide over and and be someone that could take over a left tackle responsibility or or even you know be a, a full-time starter right off the rip at right tackle but i think he's someone that you could at least build into that um at some point certainly and uh you know i'm gonna give you a wide receiver pick but i also have an offensive line pick for my final one uh alec pierce out of cincinnati i don't know how familiar a lot of uh people listening to this will be but he's actually from the chicago area i think he's gonna be a great slot receiver Truthfully, I think like he is like made for the slot. Um, he is fast. He is twitchy. Uh, he he's a good. He's going to be really good. I think in the NFL as a slot wide receiver, and we need one. Like I, I think we do need one. So yeah, I forgot which suburb he was from. Um, I think like Glen Ellen or Glen Bard Glenn or something. I think you're right. Yeah. Glen Ellen, I think is right. Um, and yeah, no, he has unbelievable skill. A lot of, a lot of freak athletes on that Cincinnati team. I mean, no question. They were so good. Um, but yeah, he's certainly one of them. I could see him. He's going to have, you know, Scotty Miller type, but even better than that type skills. Cooper, like, I think, uh, obviously I don't project him to have the same career as like Cooper cup. Cause that'd be insane, but he has a, a little bit of Cooper cup to him, you know? And I don't say that lightly. There's a there's Hunter a lot of people, Renfro, you know. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a there's a, actually that's probably even a better comparison. But there's a lot of people that uh, will come out and they'll say, uh, "Oh yeah, he's just to every slot, every slot receiver." They'll be like, "Yep, Cooper Cup." Nah, not always. <laughs> but but this guy, he does have some shades of Cooper Cup to him. And my my last player was uh, Zach Tom. Uh, offensive tackle and uh, also played center at Wake Forest. I think um, mm. just the fact that he's played kind of both inside and outside um, kind of to do that. Both of them very taxing positions. Center is a, a tough position to nail down along the offensive line and then also learn the skill set to play on the edge like that. I think it just shows uh, versatility and someone that, you know, if you can scoop him up in the third or fourth round, um, I think is going to bring a great depth piece. And, uh, yeah, I think you work on him in camp and you, you find out which skill set you like best out of him um, and plug him. He's got some some good hand play. I, I think there's a, a little bit of limitation with him. Um, but at the same time, I do think that he can develop into a starter, at least one of those positions. Absolutely. And I kind of cheated from my last one because I had two players. Um, first one, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, center out of Iowa. Yeah. Reach, but sure. <laughs> Listen, man, I would have said the same thing if I didn't just watch last year Creed Humphreys fall to the late second round. I thought there was no way in hell that Creed Hump, in my opinion, Creed Humphreys is just as good of a center prospect as Tyler Linderbaum was. Teams in the NFL don't value center as high as a lot of other teams. I don't know if they'll fall at second round, second round pick seven, but I would not be shocked in the slightest if Tyler Linderbaum is there at the top of the second round. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that. There's, there's some other really good interior um, offensive linemen. Another one that I'm going to mention here is I kind of wanted to do one or the other because I think one of these guys will fall out. Uh, Zion Johnson, uh, oh. center guard, uh, Boston College. Uh, Ryan Poles went to Boston College, has a lot of connections there, obviously. Um, and Zion Johnson plays a, a lot of attitude. Uh, you know, he is, he is a 
the type of offensive line Ryan Pulse says he wants to bring in, you know, mean, aggressive, um, you know, it, he, he's just good, man. He's really good. And I think having that versatility center guard, um, I think he's going to be more likely a guard in the, I mean, I know teams want him at center, but I think he's going to be a really good guard. Um, he's kind of like Tevin Jenkins where you might want to make him a left tackle to justify the first round pick, but, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. So I think one of those guys will be there at the top of the second round um, and and potentially even buy the pick. There's a lot of good interior offensive linemen in this draft. Like, uh, it's pretty deep. Um, I, I was a little bummed out the the kid that plays center at Notre Dame didn't come out because I thought that was going to be a perfect mid-round pick. Um, but I have to say, I think that someone like Tyler Linderbaum or Zion Johnson will be there at the top of the second round. Well, yeah, I think both of those would be good pickups. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Boston College connection is is there. And, yeah, they really need uh, kind of just a mauler at the in along the offensive line, just a little bit more of that attitude. And also someone that's athletic, too. I mean, I really am about, you know, they need to be pulling pulling guards. There needs to be movement along the offensive line. It can't mm-hmm. just be this dead zone running scheme. just has not been working for the team. Yeah, and I, I don't think uh, that will be the case anymore. I think that, you know, again, you got to take that approach, in my opinion, of going out, signing a big-name left tackle, and then drafting a piece. And I think that will solve the issue significantly, truthfully. This interior offensive line is not good. And I think by having... I was very impressed by Borum this year, and I think he could, he could be a good guard as well. So I think by just getting more pieces, by being able to shift everyone back to their natural position, because we forget Borum was drafted to be a guard. Borum was drafted to be a guard. We had to play right tackle. Tevin Jenkins was originally a right tackle at Oklahoma State, and he went over to left tackle. Cody, I mean, I mean Cody Whitehair, he played center for us. So that's why I think he can do it. And I think his his best year was at center. His best two years, arguably, were at center. Um, and you know, I I just I the one thing that I just hated about the last coaching staff, and particularly even Ryan Pace's drafting with offensive linemen, is his insistence on moving people out of their natural positions. Yeah, that never made sense to me. I was cringing while you were just saying everything like that, you know. Yeah. It's, the, the, it's solution is, the solution's pretty clear. You get a legitimate left tackle and then you can move everyone back to where they should be. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's, it's so simple. It's like it makes sense. Right. Um and good, good for Cody Whitehair or sorry, Charles Leno Jr. Um he he's actually done pretty well with uh the uh the Washington Commanders now. Let's uh, go. Yeah, it sounds so goofy. I don't it's embarrassing. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I think that, again, I think even us, Reese, we were like, okay, maybe it wasn't the best idea to cut both of your tackles in the same offseason. Uh, I'm pretty sure we criticized the cutting of uh, Charles Leno Jr. We were all on board with uh, uh, geez, Bobby, who Massey. Was Bobby Massey. Bobby <laughs> Massey. I always forget his name. We were all on board with that. We are like, yeah, that makes sense. But yes. then when they cut uh, Charles Leno Jr., we were like, uh maybe a little but, yeah. yeah maybe a little premature you you don't want to just like send two guys out and bring two new guys in you ideally you want to have like send one guy out bring two guys in or three guys in and, and and be able to let them win their jobs and um not risk your young quarterback running for his life and getting injured like justin fields did all year um but you know it is what it is and ultimately i i think that we'll right the ship this year i would not be surprised if we see a huge step up by the from the offensive line uh, wide receiver, 
don't know how good we're going to be there, but I think uh, as far as the offensive line goes, we're going to really spend a lot of resources to fix that because that's been that's been the issue since 2019. Yeah. 2019 season, offensive line was terrible. 2020 season, offensive line was terrible. 2021 season, offensive line was garbage. Go figure, man. (laughs) Go figure. And that might have been actually the reason why Ryan Pace got fired. If anything, uh, yeah, there's, it's not a surprise to me that Matt Nagy's best year, we had a top 10 unit at offensive line. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Anything else Reese before we, uh, shut off the show. I know this was a little bit of a longer podcast, but I kind of yeah. felt like it flew by. Well, just, uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? I don't necessarily need to score. Oh yeah. We completely forgot. I'm going Rams and, uh, I'm going to be honest. I think it's Rams by 10 points. You're crazy, bro. You're going Bengals? <laughs> I really want to pick Bengals. I really do. I can't bring uh-huh. myself to it, though, realistically. I know the Rams are the better team, you know? Well, here's but, the thing, but too. the Bengals are the hot team, you know? True. But the Bengals are hot. Joe Burrow's been doing great. I think it's a low-scoring game, bro. Really? You think so? I do. I do. I, I think that final score, in my head, like 23. I'm torn on 23-17. Or 23-16, because I could see there being a lot of field goals. Um, but one of those, Rams winning it. How about I, I think what I'm going to do is 33 Rams, 23 Bengals. I think it's uh, sl- like edging towards a higher scoring game. It's not a super high scoring game, but higher scoring game. And, uh, you know, listen... I, I, I'm so happy for Cincinnati fans, truthfully. Like, I would love to see the Bengals win the Super Bowl. I do prefer seeing the Rams see, play the Super, uh, win the Super Bowl because I have a ton of friends who are Rams fans. Um, and, I, you know, I don't want to root against them. But um, in all reality, like, I think the Rams just match up so well against the Bengals, truthfully. Like, the Bengals offensive line is really – well, I should say That's really been bad. the whole playoffs. So that's really what I've thought the whole playoffs. And then I'm just like, they just keep fucking winning. So I'm like, yeah, but who, like, what team did they play that has nearly the same defensive line as the Rams? I mean, I guess you can argue maybe the Titans. The Titans are okay. I mean, the, the Chiefs aren't as bad as you think. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have. They had Melvin they Ingram, have Frank Clark too. Frank Clark, and they have uh, Chris Jones. Yeah, that's true too. But it's just it's not the same as Aaron Donald, and it's, and, it's not the know, same as Aaron Donald and Von Miller, and and here's here's the re- here's the reason why I think that they, the Rams match up particularly well with them is I think they'll be able to disrupt Joe Burrow, and they have Jalen Ramsey for Jamar Chase. I know Jamar Chase is if, obviously a great wide receiver, but you know what though, I think if they're real smart, and I don't really have too much more to say after this, if they're smart. They put Jalen Ramsey on T. Higgins, and then they bracket Chase. Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, if they shut down T. Higgins, they got the game won. T. Higgins, yeah. as much as Jamar Chase is a big play threat, T. Higgins is the person that actually eats the yards like during just like regular drives. Yeah. You know? And see, is CJ Ozuma playing? Omuza? I don't Ozuma? think so. I think he's. I think both yeah, him and Higby are that, out. But. See, that's going to be a hard thing because he was kind of like the guy when you get Higgins. And like I think the Rams will be able to... Here's here's my prediction. I think we'll know how this game will go and end within the first quarter. Probably. I think that if if we see here and here's the big other if Matthew Stafford might just come out 
and absolutely shit the bed. And just throw Sta- pick six. Yeah. Because <laughs> Stafford, that's just Stafford. Like it's a classic, like like he will like if he will come out and throw some egregious, egregious picks, he'll also make a lot of plays. A little bit like Kirk Cousins, I feel like in that regard, like um, but like a better version. Um, but Stafford has been playing well, with the exception of the near game-ending pick against the 49ers. Yeah, um, that should that should have been a pick. Um, he's he's been playing pretty well, and he wasn't nearly the same player that I, I feel like he was mid-season when he was like throw, he threw like four picks against the Titans or something like that. Um, I, I think that the Rams win this pretty handedly, even though I love the story of the Bengals. And I, I honestly, I'll be happy for whichever team wins. Yeah, you know? it's open enough. I'm happy we get to see two new quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Um, so it should be a good game. I think we're in for a treat. I think that at least at some point it's going to be fun and entertaining. Um, it's a fun matchup, too. I mean, Bengals, Joe Burrow, congratulations to him. He's already done a great job. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we'll see if he can, if he can finish it out. I mean, that'd be crazy. Yeah. One comeback player of the year as well at the ESPYs tonight as we're recording, um, which, you know, at the ESPYs or the NFL awards or NFL awards, <laughs> sorry, the ESPYs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You're goofy, I mean, I bro. never, I never watch any of the, any of those things. I just see what people post on Twitter. Um, but yeah, no. So I, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with that because it's like, I think it's hard to name a second year quarterback, a comeback player of the year. Like I view the award in the sense that like a veteran player comes back and plays well. ACL injury, man. Still, but he was a, again, it was like a, like did Deshaun Watson win the comeback player of the year? Did he? I don't know. Let's see. Nice little uh, stoppage at the end of the show. Perfect. Just what they were all asking for, for like the two people that are... Deshaun Watson. By the way, uh, while I'm looking this up, please leave us a rating and review uh, in Apple Podcasts. Helps us tremendously. Um, No, no, he did not. Well, there you go. Suck on that, Reese. Well, Joe Burrow is officially better than Deshaun Watson. (laughs) 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 Yeah. it's going to be interesting if we ever see Deshaun Watson play football again. Hopefully we do. Um, but yeah, anyways, guys, thank you again so much. We hope you enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. And, uh, you know, too bad the Bears aren't playing, but uh, can't say we shouldn't have expected this. Yeah, it, it is what we expected. You know, we're watching two other teams play on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but, you know, as always, I'm always, I always got the bear down ready, you know, as yep. long as you do. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Bear down. Right on, guys.